0: Welcome back to the MarTech
1: Podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Knit. Knit enables businesses of all sizes to find audiences through audio ads on premium podcast content like CNN, Bleacher Report, and TMZ. They're a dynamic ad insertion platform that allows you to reach your audience by choosing which shows, geographies, and keywords you want to target with podcast ads. And since Knit is a self-service platform, there's no minimum order sizes to get started. I'm a Knit customer, and I can vouch that it's an incredibly easy, cost-efficient, and effective way to market a product or a service. If you're interested in learning about the Knit platform, I will personally walk you through how to use their service and help you set up your first campaign. To book a podcast advertising strategy session with me, click the link in our show notes or head over to benjshapcom slash knit. That's K-N-I-T to book your podcast strategy session. So click the link in our show notes or head over to benjshapcom slash knit to leverage the power of podcasting and start building your audience today. Bringing podcast advertising to the people that's knit. Today, we're going to continue our discussion about how to build your brand and leverage the power of other people's audiences through podcast guesting. Joining us today is Jeremy Ryan Slate, who's the co-founder and CEO of Command Your Brand Media, which is a podcast publicity agency that gets thought leaders on top-rated podcasts. Jeremy has an extensive background as a writer, a public speaker, and is also the host of Create Your Own Life podcast. Today, Jeremy is going to tell us about his agency's strategy for getting their customers onto top-tier podcasts and how they can make the most out of that experience. Here is our interview with Jeremy Ryan Slate, the CEO of Commander Brand Media. Jeremy, welcome back to the MarTech Podcast.
2: Hey, great to be here with you, Ben. I'm stoked to chat again.
1: In our last episode yesterday, I have to apologize. I was totally distracted. You turned me on to... Chartable, which is a way to see how your podcast has been on the podcast charts. And I was just excited to see how we're doing in India, Oman, a whole bunch of countries. But what I want to focus on today, now that we've talked a little bit about how to get onto podcasts, is how to make the most of that opportunity. When you are on a podcast, how do you help create content that's great? And then what do you do with it? Walk me through your process.
2: Sure. So the biggest thing that we want to do is we teach our clients something called story, message, and call to action. There are kind of three-part interview strategy to be able to do that. And not every interview is going to be exactly the same. Some interviews are going to expect more from you. Some interviews are going to expect a little bit less from you. And they may tell those stories in different ways. But what you should really do... And I really like to start people at the end when we do this. So we figure out, okay, where do you want people to end up? Like, What do you want them to do? And a lot of times like, oh, I want them to go to my website and get my email list. And it's like, well, that's great. Well, what are you going to teach about? Well, I'm going to teach about getting on podcasts. Okay, cool. So what can you give people that's actually going to bring them into your mainline service and matches what you're going to teach? So we really work this call to action out in such a way... For example, when I talk about podcast guesting, the thing we usually give out is we give out a worksheet to really help people define their target market and define their pitch. And it's something that actually helps them apply what I'm going to teach them. So the call to action should always be something that helps them to actually do what you're talking about. It shouldn't just be like, here's a PDF chapter of my book. Nobody's ever going to read it because everybody has enough books to read. If they really wanted a book, they go out and buy it. Give them something that's short to the point and they can get a quick win on what you're talking about. But now here's the bigger picture. That call to action should lead into something that's going to build a relationship over time with them. So for us, that's a 7-day email sequence where every day it's going to take a part of that worksheet apart and explain it in the email. And at the end of the email, offer them help. So if they actually are at this point needing help or they're frustrated or whatever, they can actually hop on a call with us and we can talk about more about how our brand can help them. So each one of these 7 emails is going to break that apart. And at the end of that email, we actually have a webinar for them that talks more about what they just did and also talks more about our service and gives some helpful tips and stuff like that. So the call to action is really important. That's why you want to start there. Then you want to go to your message. What are you going to teach? What are you going to talk about on this episode that is going to be valuable to people, whether they buy something from you or not? And I feel like that's so important that you need to just be willing to teach. We had a client that he saw a high number of sales off of the shows he was going on because he was so willing to talk about every single thing he knew about the topic, which in this case was real estate investing. Figure out how to teach people as much as you can teach them in a way that they can understand it. Like don't get too complicated, if you know what I mean. Like some people can talk way too much and they're like, I'm lost. You don't want to lose people. And then you want to tie that into your personal story. A personal story is really important that It has some sort of emotion that people can understand, can feel. And that's the thing that's actually going to hook them into this whole three-part sequence. So it's vital to making this whole thing work. Now, when I talk about story, you don't want to talk about, well, I was just a wee lad and then go through this 40 years of your life before you get in the message because number one, nobody wants to hear that. Number two, you're going to run out of time. And it really needs to be something that helps them to understand that you were just where they are and shows them that you can help them and gives you permission for them to actually teach them the message you have to teach them. So you get those three things together and you're really going to see every interview go so much better for you. But now here's the thing. This shouldn't be something that feels like it's scripted. I had a guest on my podcast one time and started reading off a piece of paper. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? He's like, well, when this happened, it's like, you can't do that. This needs to feel natural. It needs to feel human. It needs to feel like something that actually can connect with them. And you also have to be able to tell it through what I like to call different lenses, which means not every podcast is going to be able to handle your story in the exact same way. You need to be able to shift it and change it to match the experience of the people you're talking to, but also make sure that it's true to your own experience, if that makes sense. So it needs to be able to be told through different lenses. It needs to be flexible, but you need to have your story message and call to action down because it's really going to make every episode go that much better for you.
1: I think that you said a couple of different interesting things there, and I'm going to start with the latter part, which is thinking about what content you're going to produce in the podcast. The first piece of advice that I give people when they're coming on my show is be yourself, relax. It's a casual conversation. I'm sure everybody's show is a little different, but I don't want people's answers to be manicured and scripted and written out. I want subject matter experts to shoot from the hip and tell me about their experiences on more a of a guttural level, if that's a word, because I want the honest truth. I don't want people to do a ton of preparation for my podcast specifically, because by being reactionary, they honestly give their gut feeling. Maybe that's just my show, but I think that just being comfortable in yourself and being able to communicate the things that you know, and it's honestly okay to say, I'm not really sure, I'm not an expert, but here's what I think. You don't have to have the answers to everything. It's always great to have a story. It's always great to have something that you kind of want to get across and know, but don't plan on being perfect because that never happens in podcasts. And the beauty of this medium is most of the time everything is edited. So if you say something that's verbose, kind of like this comment right now, it can be (laughs) edited. The editor's job is to clean it up and make all the content concise. So relax, be comfortable. Just have a casual conversation like you would with a friend and you'll produce great content. The other thing you said is talking about the life cycle of once you get someone on a podcast to understand who you are, how do you offer them value? You really laid out kind of a full funnel approach to getting somebody from a podcast to a piece of content and then how to engage with them. A special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutinex, ready to take your team from I think to I know. Talk to me a little bit more about that process and what metrics can you expect? Is there any sort of rule of thumb if you're listening to X number of people, you can expect Y number of clicks on your call to action? How are you seeing people convert podcast listeners to engaged customers?
2: That's something that's really difficult to answer because every show is so different. Like I could have the perfect pitch for this audience and I may get one opt-in. Or I could be on another show that has a significantly smaller audience and I may have 100 people opt-in. So it's so different for every single show you're on, depending on how that audience is, that it's very difficult to say, hey, this is the number you can expect. Because we've had some shows where we thought clients were gonna do okay, where they knocked it out of the water. And we've had other ones where like, oh my gosh, this is a home run. And for some reason with that client, it just wasn't the right connection in terms of like an opt-in. But in terms of their branding, it really helped their brand. So it's too tough to give you an exact number on that. And then it's also dependent as well. So like I was on one of the bigger podcasts out there that we had... Oh, give us the name drop. I I was on EO Fire (laughs) and we had 250 opt-ins from that show. Mm -hmm. But we didn't get a client out of that because it wasn't the right type of audience for us. It was a lot of solopreneurs. So whereas the targeting is so vital, because let's say if I go on the right podcast, which is more of like a C-suite or more like a marketing type show, I could get 5 opt-ins, but they're the right people. So it's so pertinent on who's hearing you, and there's not really a rule of thumb just because it varies depending on the show. So
1: talk to me about what your advice is. Once you get on a podcast, you have your call to action, you can get people from the podcast's audience to your services, but what do you recommend that podcast guests do to promote the content themselves?
2: Well, there's a couple different things, and it depends on your platform, first of all on LinkedIn, I like to do a lot of long form content with that. And I like to put the episode link in the comments because you're going to get more traction that way. Like Anytime you're promoting a direct link on any of these platforms, they're going to drive it down. Another thing is embedding that episode plus your own version of show notes on your own website because it's going to create blog content in your own site. It's going to um, give your audience something to check out. It's also going to help with your site ranking because you have another page on your site that has some great content on it. And you're going to want to make sure you backlink to that original page. Another thing being email marketing to your own database. You want to write to them about that episode and about how it can help them. And believe it or not, we've seen a lot of people convert by presenting it to their email list in that way. Another way is setting up a tool like Meet Edgar or something like that. So that a lot of these episodes are going out to your Twitter, your Facebook, your, a lot of these other things to continually be going out there. Because I've had episodes I did two years ago that are still creating traction for me now because I remember to share them. Because a lot of times people share an episode when it goes out and they forget about it. A lot of these things are evergreen. And you need to keep seeing how you can use them. If a show is big enough, believe it or not, we've seen clients see success with writing press releases to smaller local publications that are like, Oh, that's interesting. This local person got in on this podcast. That's really interesting. Another thing as well is using a tool like, let's say, Snipply and setting up a pixel on the actual episode page you're sending people to so you can retarget people that actually went to the site and listened to that episode as well. So you want to think about a lot of different strategies that are playing the long game. Because I think a lot of times people think, all right, I'm just going to post it and go for it. You want to see how this content can keep paying you back over time.
1: I think that one of the things to keep in mind that you mentioned is that the sort of initial burst, the organic reach of a piece of content is 24 to 36 hours, right? And you're going to publish something and... Two days later, people are going to stop listening to it, but the promotability of a piece of content does not necessarily have a shelf life. You can continue to promote a piece of content over and over. And mostly in mediums like Twitter, you can repost the same piece of content relatively frequently. I wouldn't necessarily promote that, you know, you were on EO on fire every day, but, you know, every couple of weeks you can repost the, hey, we were on EO on fire. It doesn't necessarily have to be a piece of content that was published this week. So you can reuse your content asset to sort of keep a regular stream of social promotion.
2: Well, and because I think too often people want to be effective that 24 to 36 hour period of when it first comes out, when to be effective, you have to use it because you can create even more attention for yourself. And then there's also the other thing that a lot of people forget about is these podcasts are getting brand new listeners all the time. So it's evergreen content. So if somebody comes back and subscribes to that podcast, They're probably, if your episode is tagged the right way or the right title, is probably going to come back and listen to you and now be introduced to you. And that's something that's always going to be working for you.
1: It's one of the little tricks that we've had. There's a few times, three or four times when we've had a piece of content that we had recording issues or we had a guest that canceled on us, and what we'll do is we'll take one of the original pieces of content from when the show first started that only a few people heard because we didn't have a big following at the time, and we'll rebroadcast it as a new piece of content because our audience has gone from 100 people when the show first launched to tens of thousands of people to where we are now. So you can repurpose your content over time. I think that's a, a great tip. Any other last words of advice for people to make their most of the content when they're a guest on somebody else's show?
2: Well, another thing too, you may already be doing this, but one of my favorite tools out there is called Headliner App. You can get to it from sparemin.com. And you can actually take 30 to 60 second audio clips of a lot of this stuff, put a image of yourself in the show in the background and put a clip of you speaking on the show. So it's going to make it more shareable on platforms like Facebook, LinkedIn, and different things like that, where you can grab somebody in a 30 to 60 second clip as well. So you always want to be used, thinking, how else can I use this content? Because like if somebody interviews you for even 30 minutes, think about all the different things in that episode you can do. Like you can even get a transcript done of that episode using one of the services that are out there and pull out your own what you said and use it to write an article. There's so much you can do with an episode. And I think people are short-sighted when they think, all right, just share it and it's all over. God, you're so good at promoting the tools that I was thinking
1: about making. Damn it. (laughs) This exists. Wait, which
2: one did I hit now?
1: Headliner.
2: Yesterday it was Chartable. Oh, Headliner. And it's free. Well, I looked at Lumen
1: 5, which is using AI to create a video for you so you can turn audio to video and it sort of dynamically puts some content behind your videos.
2: This is turning audio to video and it gives you a nice little graphic for short snippets. And it puts a transcript on it too, but you got to spell check it because sometimes it comes up with some really weird words.
1: I'm not a great speller, which is why I do podcasts. So it might come off as authentic if things are misspelled, but let's just (laughs) leave that one alone for now. Okay. Last question for you. We ask this to everybody that comes on the show. What advice do you have for younger marketers who are interested in your field? You know, for people that are looking to be a podcast host, people that are looking to get in PR, help people do booking of podcasts, give us some advice for the people that are new in the
2: market. It's really just something simple. Go out there and find the people that are best at it and study what they do because that's really what I've done. Like I've studied a guy named David Breyer for the longest time because he's one of the best guys in branding. I studied Dennis Yu for the longest time because he's one of the best guys in personal branding and Facebook ads. I've studied, believe it or not, not a lot of podcast hosts. I've studied a lot of reporters, the Larry Kings and Anderson Coopers of the world, because I think they are great hosts and I want to learn from them on how they do it. So I really locate who I think is the best from something and try and deconstruct what they've done and try and learn some things from them. Great advice. Look from the people
1: that are doing it well. You're not stealing, you're copying. It's the biggest form of flattery. Maybe I'm butchering what the actual saying is, but... Either way, I appreciate you coming on the show. And that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks to Jeremy Ryan Slate from Commander Brand Media for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about Jeremy, you can click on his bio in our show notes, or you can go to his website, commandyourbrand.media. A special thanks to Knit for sponsoring this podcast. If you're interested in using podcast advertising to grow your reach, I will personally walk you through the Knit platform and help you get your first test campaign set up. So click on the link in our show notes if you want to test podcast advertising or go to benjshap.com nit knit, that's K-N-I-T, to book your podcast strategy session with me to start leveraging the power of podcasts to grow your brand. If you're a subscriber to the MarTech Podcast, thank you for being a member of our community. We always want to hear from you. So we created benjshap.com slash question, where you can ask us your marketing questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Here's an example of a listener question that we'll be answering in an upcoming episode.
2: Hi, I run a marketing department for an SMB, and I'm always looking for advice on marketing technology tools that are easy to use and don't cost a lot to invest in. I'd love to hear your point of view on marketing automation tools, as well as other MarTech tools and services that you're really excited about right now.
1: Now, of course, you can always reach out to us on social media. My handle's Ben is BenJShap, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P, which you can find on LinkedIn and Twitter. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a weekly stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, we've got some great episodes lined up for you, including tomorrow's episode with Jeff Shearer, who's a marketing operations specialist. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app, and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning.